This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll Anshil was a simple farmer, and even though he didn't really know how to read and write, he did know just about everything about farming. And as a result, through planting the right crops at the right times, he was able to become very wealthy. And he had two sons, and since he had money, he decided that he didn't want his sons to grow up like him. He wanted them to be educated, maybe even Torah scholars. And so he offered to hire Malamed to come out to his farm and teach his boys but he couldn't find anybody who was willing to go so far. So he did some research, and he found a good cheder, a good elementary school, yeshiva, for young boys, and sent his two sons, Itzik and Herschel, to the cheder. And Itzik and Herschel, they actually had a talent for learning, and they put the time and effort needed into becoming Torah scholars. And as they grew, they learned more and more, and absorbed more and more, until eventually the heads of the yeshiva called them Iluim, geniuses, and one day, one of the older boys in the yeshiva announces that he's going to Mezhibuz to visit the Helegebal Shemtov. And Itzik and Herschel, they thought to themselves, yeah, you know, we'd like to find out who this mystery rabbi is, the Baal Shemtov. And so they go with their friend to Mezhibuz, and they were so impressed with the Baal Shemtov, they decided to travel to him as often as they could. And sometimes it came with the expense of visiting their family. And one time when they came home for Shabbos, the father, Anshel, a simple farmer, He says to his sons, I don't understand why you guys are going to Mezhibuz all the time. It's so far away. What could possibly be there that would want to make you go all the time? They said, oh, Tati, you don't understand. There's a great rabbi there, a very special Jew. His name is the Baal Shem Tov. And we go to learn with him. And the father, Anshali, says, really? He's a wise man? And the sons say, yes, Tati, he's a very wise man. The father says, well, does he know how to plow fields? What does he know about planting and sowing? How about crops and weather? What does he know about that? Because of course, being a simple man, that was what was important to him in the world. And the sons, they tried to figure out a way to explain that the Baal Shem Tov is not a farmer, and what could he possibly know about planting and plowing and crops and weather? But they knew if they said that to their father, then he would forbade them from going to the Baal Shem Tov. So they said, Yes, Tati, we promise you, the Heidegger Baal Shem Tov knows about everything, even farming. When Anshel heard that, he said, okay, if you're going to a rabbi who also understands farming, then I approve. You can go as often as you like, but make sure you come home for Shabbos every now and then. And then after a couple of years of this, Anshel says to his sons, you know, I'd like to meet the farmer rabbi. You know, a peer like me who understands the land and crops. So I'm going to come with you to Mezhibuz. I want to meet the rabbi myself. And Anshul prepared himself for the trip, brought along many gifts of food and preserved jars that his wife had made. And all kinds of things from the farm in order to give the Baal Shem Tov, who he considered the farmer's rabbi. Then he arrives in Mezhibuz, and the tzaddik, the Baal Shem Tov, stands up for the father of the two geniuses that come to visit him all the time. And Anshul says, Rabbi, please, 
I understand you're a very wise man, and that you also understand farming, and the land, and weather, and crops. Is that true? And the Baal Shem Tov, right away, he started telling Anshul about his farm. He told him about all the fields that he owns, and the exact boundaries of the fields. And then he told Anshul what he had planted last year and the year before. And Anshul was blown away by this. He turns to his sons and he says, Boys, not only does your rabbi know about farming, but he knows so much. He knows what I farm. And so Anshul said to himself, If the Baal Shem Tov is such a wise rabbi, then I should get advice from the Baal Shem Tov on what to plant in the next season. Because you never know what the weather is going to be and what the demand is going to be. And a lot of times it's a gamble. But a farmer rabbi like the Baal Shem Tov, he for sure can give me the right advice. And so Ancho says, Rabbi, can you please tell me what crops to plant in the next season? And the Baal Shem Tov says, yes, of course. He tells him exactly what to plant, where to plant it, and the exact amount of how much he needs to plant. And then he told Ancho, Bracha v'atzlacha, may you have lots of success in your farming this year. And Ancho returned back home with the advice of the Heliga Baal Shem Tov. And he followed exactly what the Baal Shem Tov said, planting wheat where the Baal Shem Tov said and oats, and barley, potatoes, and onions, and carrots, everything exactly in the amounts in the fields that the Baal Shem Tov said. And when it came time to harvest, Ancho looks at his crops, and he realized that he had multiple times what he'd ever had before. And he was very impressed with the Baal Shem Tov, the farmer Rebbe. And as a result, besides becoming even wealthier than he was before, Ancho became a chassid of the Baal Shem Tov and started traveling to Mezhibuz whenever he had a question. And even though the sons were going to the Baal Shem Tov in order to get exposed to holiness and new ideas and understanding the Torah, and the father was going to ask questions about farming, they were still all chassidim of the Baal Shem Tov and shared the love of the Rebbe. And the years passed, and Ancho's daughter was ready to get married. And since she was the sister of two great scholars and the daughter of a wealthy, successful businessman, lots of people wanted to marry her. But Anjil felt like he couldn't make such a decision himself. He needed to go to the Rebbe, the farmer of Mezhibuz. And so he goes to the Hege Baal Shem Tov with a list of names. And he says, tell me, Rebbe, who on this list do you think is the Shidduch for my daughter? Many of them are Torah scholars, or come from wealthy families, or seem like really fine, excellent boys. But you have such vision, Rebbe. I would never dare make the decision by myself. Who do you recommend? The Baal Shem Tov takes the piece of paper from Ancho, looks over the list of names, and then hands it back to him. And he says, no one on this list is your daughter's beshert. Is the shidduch for your daughter? Listen, Ancho, I don't want to bother you with this. Send me your two sons, and the three of us will find the Shidduch for your daughter. The Shidduch in Shemayim, the match made in heaven. And your sons will bring him back to you. So Anshul is very happy with that. He trusts the Baal Shem Tov, of course. He trusts his boys. This is gone. Bring me my future son-in-law. And when Itzik and Herschel arrived at the Baal Shem Tov, the three of them traveled together to a distant city. And when word got out that the holy rabbi, the Baal Shem Tov, had come to town, everybody rushed to see him. And the townspeople there decided to make a big Ferbrengen. They organized a meal, and everybody came and sang and drank with the Baal Shem Tov. And everyone, from the wealthiest to the poorest Jew, came to pay their respects and get a blessing or advice from the Holy Rebbe. And once everybody had gathered in the large hall, the Baal Shem Tov quieted everyone down. 
He said, I want you to know the reason that we're here, my good people. I'm looking for a certain man, a young man. His name is Fievel Benfreda Fruma. If he's here today, please come step forward. And everybody's looking around the hall. Where's Fievel? But nobody comes to the Baal Shem Tov. So the Baal Shem Tov said, does anyone know where this young man lives? Fievel Benfreda Fruma? And everybody's looking around the hall, but nobody answered. So the Baal Shem Tov said, well, for Brink, and everyone should know, me and the two gentlemen here were going to be here for a few days. And if anyone can find Fievel and bring him to me, I will be very grateful for your assistance. And of course, everyone wanted to help the Baal Shem Tov, but nobody could remember who is this Fievel Ben Freda Fruma. And several days went by, and nobody knew who he was. And then came Rosh Chodesh, and it gave the townspeople another excuse to have a meal with the Hedegah Baal Shem Tov. And so they organized a meal again, and the rows of table were set with beautiful tablecloths and silverware. Bread and wine were put on the tables, and just as everyone was about to wash and start eating, a wild, dirty, smelly young man comes running in. His hair is all over the place. His face is covered in dirt. His clothes are torn. He sees one of the rolls on the clean table, and he grabs a few of them and then runs out of the hall. And somebody shouts at him, Hey, Fievel! Hey, the son of Freda Fruma! Come back here right now and return those rolls. And all of a sudden, everybody froze. This was the name of the person that the Baal Shem Tov was looking for. So now they'd found him. But they said, this is who the Baal Shem Tov is looking for? This Vildechaya? This wild animal of a human being? Could it be? Not only was the son Fievel dirty and smelly and so vulgar, the whole family was as well. This is what the Baal Shem Tov came for? So someone turns to the Helega Baal Shem Tov and says, Rebbe, that boy that you saw come in and grab the rolls and run out of here? That's your Fievel. What are we supposed to do? The Baal Shem Tov says, go and grab him. Wash him up, get him dressed, and bring him back here to me. When Fievel saw that people were chasing after him, he ran deeper into the woods, and he ran as fast as he could. But the whole town was after him. It didn't take long before two strong men took him to the mikvah and cleaned him up, put nice new clothes on him, and presented him to the Baal Shem Tov. And the Baal Shem Tov says to Fievel, please, Fievel, sit down next to me. And Fievel's eating like a bit of an animal, stuffing food into his mouth, dropping food on his clothes on the table. And the whole time the Baal Shem Tov is sitting there as if nothing is going on. And then he quiets everyone down, and he turns to Fievel and he says, Fievel, would you please give us a Dvar Torah? Fievel's got some bread in his mouth. He says, huh? Oh, Dvar Torah? The Baal Shem Tov takes his handkerchief and passes it over Fievel's face. He says, yes, please, give us a Dvar Torah. And Fievel opens his mouth and starts giving over a very sophisticated, complex Dvar Torah. And he went on for more than two hours. The two brothers, who were geniuses and students of the Baal Shem Tov, honestly couldn't understand half of what Fievel was saying. And when he finished, the Baal Shem Tov turned to the brothers and he said, Nu, what do you think of our Fievel here? Not so bad, right? The two brothers were shocked and they said, Yeah, he's obviously a hidden tzaddik and a genius. We'll take him home and prepare him for the chuppah. And the Baal Shem Tov says, As soon as you get back, you have the chuppah and you marry them off. And that's what they did. They took Fievel back, and when they arrived home, they told their father, Wow, father, you don't know we have a hidden tzaddik here, and he's such a genius, we didn't even understand half of what he was saying. 
And the father, of course, is not a learned person. So he just trusts his sons. He says, if you say he's good and the Baal Shem Tov found him, then that's our man. Let's go. Get the wedding ready. They introduce Fival to the father's daughter, to Ancho's daughter. She looks at him. She says, well, he looks like a nice enough person. The brothers are saying, no, you don't understand. He is a tzaddik and a great Torah scholar. She says, great, let's do it. And so after the chuppah, of course, there's the week of Sheva Brachot. And with each of the days of the Sheva Brachot, Fival gave over divrei Torah that were so deep, no one could fully understand what he was saying. And everyone was very impressed with him. And the brothers were very excited to sit down and really learn with Fival, get deep into the Gemara, and learn some of the Hasidic concepts of the Baal Shem Tov. And as the Hasidim of the Baal Shem Tov, the two brothers, had made it a custom to wake up at night to say the Tikkun Chatzot, the prayers calling for the rebuilding of the temple and the coming of Mashiach that are said at midnight. And they saw Fival sleeping and they figured, well, you know, Fival must have been learning till late and he probably just went to sleep. You know, we went to sleep earlier and we're waking up now at midnight. And is it our place to judge how a tzaddik like Fival serves Hashem? So they left him alone. But then the morning came and they daven shachit. And the last time to be able to say the Shema prayer was coming and still Fival was sleeping. So they went over and knocked on his door. And their sister answers and she says, My husband is still sleeping. And she stepped aside and the two brothers came in and they could feel it in their kishkas. This man who was sleeping was not a tzaddik and not a Torah scholar. Something had changed. But they looked at one another and they knew, Who are we to judge? What do we really know? But regardless of what they were thinking, they still had to wake him up. So they say, no, Fival, get up. It's late. You have to say Shema and Davin. And Fival, he stretches. Ah, leave me alone. I want to sleep. I'm tired. Besides, what's the rush? They said to him, Fival, don't you know that a Torah scholar rises like a lion to do the will of his creator? You haven't even said Modani, the first prayer that you say in the morning when you wake up. He said, oh, just leave me alone. I want to sleep. I'm tired. He pulls the blanket over his head and goes back to sleep. The two brothers knew something was going on. This was strange. And when word got back to the father, he was very upset. You mean to tell me that I married off my daughter to an ignoramus who's lazy as well? I mean, fine, he doesn't have to be a Torah scholar. But he's got to get up and work on the farm. He doesn't even want to get out of bed. He told his son, do go to the Baal Shem Tov and get an explanation. Right away. So the brothers went to Mezhibu's. And the Baal Shem Tov brought them in. Says, no, what's going on? He said, you know, we met Fival, and he was a genius, there's no question. And all through the week of the Sheva Brachot, he's giving over Divrei Torah like nothing we'd ever heard before. And then this morning, he doesn't want to get out of bed. He's not interested in learning. He doesn't want to work. doesn't want to do anything. Rebbe, what's going on here? And the Baal Shem Tov says, okay, I'll tell you what's going on. You see, the Shadchanim, there's matchmakers in heaven, just like there's matchmakers here down below. And when your father came to me and he showed me the list of potential chatanim for your daughter, I could see that in heaven, none of them were meant to be her husband. And so in heaven, they said, how are we going to make the shidduch? Your sister, who's the daughter of a wealthy man, and the sister of two brothers that are great scholars like the two of them, would never be willing to marry her true shidduch. Because honestly... He's a bit of an animal, and not very intelligent, and not from such a great family. And so a plan was made in heaven, that the girl would be born deformed. And that way, there wouldn't be many shaduchim for her, and maybe she'd agree to marry this guy. But they said in heaven, but we have another problem. 
Let's say she's born handicapped, but the father, he's rich. And even if she's handicapped, people would marry her just because her father has a lot of money. So the matchmakers in heaven, they said, well, here's what we're going to do. We'll make the father die young, and she'll be born deformed. And between the two, the match would work out. But I saw with my vision, the Baal Shem Tov says, that this was going on. And I said, this is going to cause terrible suffering to this family. I don't want this young girl or her father to be touched in any way. I will take it upon myself to make the shidduch happen. And so we went together to find Fival. And I took my handkerchief, put it in front of his eyes, and opened the gates of Torah, both the hidden and revealed Torah. And he captured your hearts. And you were very impressed and you agreed to the shidduch. And it was decided in heaven that if Fival was truly worthy of the Torah that I had filled him with, then he would have remained a Torah scholar. Because of his coarseness, it didn't last beyond the seven days of the Sheva Rachot. And now, my dear Hasidim, please go home and tell your father and your sister that Fival is truly her intended husband. It's a match made in heaven. And let your sister continue to live with him. And I guarantee you that you'll have fine and healthy children, that her children will be Torah scholars and wealthy. And as far as Fival goes, I'm giving you two, Itzik and Herschel, the responsibility to daven for him and learn with him. And I promise you that over time, Fival will become a scholar himself. And so, of course, when the two brothers came back home and explained to their father what the Baal Shem Tov had revealed to them, the father had no problem with the shidduch. And the sister, even though she was stuck with somebody that wasn't really ideal, she was a very holy woman. And she said to her brothers, I'm trusting you to do what the Helig Baal Shem Tov told you. You're going to pray for my husband, and you're going to learn with him. And sure enough, as the sister gave birth to children, her husband was a very good husband and a father. And he learned at the same pace as his children with the help of his two brothers-in-law. And he worked on the farm at the same time. When eventually Anshul, the father, passed away, it was Fival who took over the farm, and Fival's children became Torah scholars. And it was because the brothers kept on praying and working and having faith in Fival that he was able to fulfill the Baal Shem Tov's prophecy. But this could only happen because everybody in the family trusted in the true tzaddik, the Baal Shem Tov. And how many times, my sweetest friends, do we have situations in life where we say, it just can't be. How could Hashem have this in mind for me? And unfortunately, we can't go to the Baal Shem Tov and ask him why. And the truth is, when a great tzaddik like the Baal Shem Tov tells you, yes, this is exactly what should be happening, gives you more faith, and it helps you to get through the challenges. Even though I'm not a Rebbe, and I'm not a tzaddik, just a simple Jew, I can tell you, that when you think that things are hard and you're wondering, why would Hashem be doing this to me? Just remember that in heaven, there's matchmakers. And they're not just matching up couples to get married. They're matching up neshamas, souls, with challenges. And the challenge that you're facing is a shidduch that was made in heaven. So I hope you'll be able to rejoice in your troubles and afflictions, my sweetest friends. And know that everything that Hashem does is ultimately for the good.
So I have one more story that I heard from my teacher and my mashpia, Reb Shalom Brat of Blessed Memory. There was a chassid who lived in Los Angeles whose name was Beryl Weiss, Allah Shalom of Blessed Memory. And Reb Beryl was a businessman and he had a business partner that he was constantly trying to get to meet the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And eventually, after asking his friend enough times, his friend says, fine, I'll come with you to meet the Rebbe. He goes to meet the Rebbe, and when he comes out, Beryl says to his friend, no, how is it by the Rebbe? He said, you know, you have a very strange Rebbe. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I figured I visited the Rebbe. I would give a donation, right? Maybe $1,000, $5,000. So I say to the Rebbe, what's the accepted amount, the, the usual amount that people give here? And the Rebbe looks at me and he says, I want a blank check. And the businessman, he's kind of shocked because businessmen don't write blank checks. But there he's standing in the presence of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. He felt like he could trust the Rebbe, so he signs a blank check and gives it to the Rebbe. And he leaves and he figures the Rebbe is not going to take out more money than he has in the bank account, or more than he could probably handle. So he trusted in the Rebbe. A few days later, he gets a phone call and it's a call from the bank. They say we have a check for a very large sum of money and we want to make sure that you actually wrote this check. So the guy was shocked by the amount of money that the Rebbe was going to withdraw from his account. But he did write the check and he did trust in the Rebbe. So he told the bank, yeah, I wrote the check and honor the amount on the check. And they did and the money was taken out of his account. And a few days later, this businessman runs into his friend, Reb Beryl. He says, let me tell you, Beryl, your Rebbe is a very special Rebbe. And Beryl says to him, why, what happened? He said, I did a business deal just the other day. And the amount of money that the Rebbe wrote on that blank check was exactly 10% of the profit that I made on the business deal. The power of Amuna, my sweetest friends, and the power of Amuna and Tzadikim. May we all be blessed. Lechaim! <laughs>